Yeah. Welcome back. We stopped doing episode numbers, right? But I'm going to keep talking about episode numbers. But I think <laughs> yeah, this is I have I think no this, idea. this is a big one cuz it's actually 10. So Oh, this is 10. Okay. This is 10. Yeah. So no nice. pressure here. Um 10 episodes. Did you think we would make it? Nah. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. The weird the weirdest thing is that we've been talking almost every week for 10 weeks. That's weirder than 10 episodes. It is weird. Yeah. That's odd. Yeah, your mic's doing that weird thing again. I know, I heard it. I'm sorry. Okay, well, there's fun stuff for me to edit already. Yep. Jordan, do you want to introduce uh, introduce our two guests for this episode? Yeah, so we have my PM and my engineering lead. Tom is the engineering lead and Zach is my PM. And I work with them daily at Domo and they're great. I don't know if you guys want to say anything or introduce yourselves, but yeah, I'm excited to chat with you guys about how we communicate at work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom, Tom and Zach, if you want to do like a 30-second rapid-fire intro of uh, yeah, what you do, where you came from, things like that. Go ahead, sure. Tom. Uh, sure, I think Zach should go first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Zach, and I have kind of a security, interesting route to product management. Uh, I got my degree in statistics. Uh, later on, went to law school and practiced law for a little bit and decided I want to change and meandered over into tech through Domo. And it's never looked back. Fantastic. Okay, Tom, Tom what you got? Sure. So um, I've been doing engineering for about 10 years. Um, before that, I was actually a retail uh pizza retail shop owner. I owned a couple of locations of a commodity pizza place that was not fun. Um, so I grew up around computers. My dad was a software engineer um, and a professor up at the U. Uh, and so I always had it in my blood and I eventually decided I just needed to embrace it. So about 10 years ago, I switched careers and been doing it ever since. I love it. I did not know that about you. I did not yeah. know yeah, you that you. Did. No, I didn't. I had no idea. Well, then I was going to say Jordan and I just grew up. We grew, we had the opposite. We grew up around pizza, uh, but not yeah. really computers. Pizza, <laughs> pizza. Everywhere. You know, pizza in our blood. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Jordan, right Jordan did you grow up? I think that's so fascinating, and I think it's such a disadvantage for me. Like an advantage in some ways. I was raised by a cowboy who didn't, still doesn't know how to use a computer, pretty much. Uh, yeah, um, that's my dad. He owns a hunting business, Logan. So, yeah, yeah very redneck. <laughs> doesn't know how to use a computer. But yeah, like I, I think that um, outside of AOL and AOL like Instant Messenger, um, I mean pre pre that and outside of that, my my home was just like this black box. Nobody knew anything about. Software, engineering, computers. I love, I love hearing from people that were like, "Oh yeah, I grew up like putting them together, taking them apart." It's like a family thing. My family was just 
like literally getting like roped, getting lassoed by my dad in the yard. So <laughs> different well, skill set. I think uh, growing up with it actually was a disadvantage for me because really, well, I, I think I, I felt like everybody just knew a lot about computers the same as I did. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I just knew I didn't want to do what my dad did. Oh, I like wanted, <laughs> like wanted to be real. my own person, you know, go my yeah. own path, which was pizza apparently. And yeah. it was the wrong path. So in your face, dad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that. that's amazing. And then Zach, I mean, I, I, this is grass is greener kind of thing, but yeah, I'm envious of, uh, I'm not envious of law school, but I'm envious of like the statistics background and that kind of analytical mind that every designer is trying harder to achieve or obtain. Yeah, we're all just posers, though. Yeah, let's talk about Zach's dad. <laughs> so I think that actually contributed a lot to my ability to feel like I could branch out. Mm. So out of high school, my dad went to the Air Force and then was in the Air Force for a little bit came home, was a plant manager for a glass company. Cool. From there, moved to California and became an accountant, got a CPA. We moved back to Minnesota, decided to go back to school, became a registered nurse. And so in his mind, he's like, you know, it's, if you want to change, you can change. And so yeah. it, I think, gave me a little more confidence to say you know i put a lot of eggs in the basket of law it really wasn't what i wanted to do mm. and so let's try tech let's try product management that's amazing that's so cool cool and then um the three of you work yeah same same pod yeah. um over there at domo domo's uh got the whole like uh distributed model the trinity the trifecta the three-legged stool engineering yep. product design co-owners um yeah t tell us a little bit about how things are structured over there and how you guys uh collaborate effectively or ineffectively what's it like it's pretty ineffective most of the time yeah it seems like it I, basically i i just tell jordan what to do and then she doesn't do it and then mm -hmm. just, okay. <laughs> i say cool and tom. then we end up with great products so it, and typical. then zach yeah. and i meet on the side and we're like hey we listened yep, to tom yeah. but we're gonna do this instead <laughs> They're very good at handling me. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're pretty good. I don't know. I feel like we're fairly decent at collaboration, but I've talked a lot about like Domo and how teams are set up. I'd like to hear your guys' perspective on like that. Yeah. I, I don't know how much we are typical of. So Domo, the, the term we call them is trios, like a trio. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much we represent a regular trio in the way we communicate and the way we structure and the way we solve problems. Um, but it seems to work for us. Maybe that's an excuse of us not changing, but I think typically it's easy to get siloed in my opinion of this is your job and you're the one that has to do this. And then Jordan, you have to do this and Tom, you have to do this. Uh, but something that I think is valuable that I don't know, it's more unspoken between us is 
the most important thing in my opinion is finding the right answer solution. It's not coming up with it. Mm. It's just being able to figure out who actually has insight into a innovative or a pragmatic idea to go forward. And so I think you can get stuck pretty easily if you feel the pressure of I have to be the one to always come up with it because I have to show my coworkers, I have to show who I report to that I'm valuable versus I'm not necessarily tied to this idea. I think it's important, but I'm okay to discuss it and figure out maybe it's wrong. Maybe someone else has an idea. And so even though it's a trio for us, I think we also try to include our devs in appropriate situations as well. Like, I know that you're really close to this and this is something you experienced. Mm. Do you have any insight in this? Yeah, we just did a project that was like very, um, I don't know, collaborative. We're still kind of working through it, but like one of our devs came up with an idea that he wanted to see through that was um, a different like UI that was happening. And so Mm -hmm. we tried it out. We're still kind of working through the kinks and stuff, but I feel like our team is very, um, I don't know, we fostered that kind of atmosphere where he felt like he could speak up rather than like, I don't know, me being like, I'm the designer. I need to be the one that's making these decisions. I mean, that's usually what Tom does, but he's usually <laughs> right. saying like, I'm the dev lead. Just kidding. But no, it's, true. it's just, it's true. yeah. I, no, I it's not true. <laughs> I definitely feel like one thing that works well for us is, is our ability to openly argue and debate without feelings get involved. So, yeah. I mean, I cry at the end of every day, but. Right. And that's sort of yeah. my goal, but I know you're yeah. good. And that, no. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. We're fine. No, I hope that's not true, Jordan. I, it's not. You're such an amazing designer. Can, can, I, can I push on that for a minute? Because this sure. is something that we're working on um, as an organization. We do some, some pods do well, some, you know, others really don't. Um, was that baked into your personalities? How have you been able to like uh, have, I don't know, not egoless, but like, have you been able to have those open like discussions and debates um, without, without, you know, feelings getting hurt or without people being offended <laughs> or upset? And then everybody clams up and they just start going along with, I don't know, like whatever Zach says one day, whatever Jordan says the next week, like whatever Tom said yesterday, um, because people are afraid day. of... Yeah, because people are afraid of that kind of conflict. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you balance that, or how did how do you get there? So, so I, I'll say it's definitely a personality thing with me. Um, and, to, and I should clarify, I've definitely heard many of feelings along the way. So mm-hmm. um, that's what makes this work with these three. You know, us three. I think we we work well to not get our feelings hurt. But I grew up in a family that was very much argumentative. Like we love to debate like mm-hmm. all my brothers and sisters, we get together. That's the thing we want to do. The minute any two people agree with anything, we start to find mm. a way to disagree again. So it's, it's, it's like the idea that you flesh out truth through debate, right? Like if, if two people agree on something, then one of them's not really thinking too much about it. It's sort of like a wow. mentality that we take, I take. So I grew up, constantly we're trying to always look at other angles um and because of that like what i think is just conversing a lot of people do tend to think is arguing it's mm-hmm. taken me and my wife a long time to find a good balance of that. <laughs> but uh-huh. she, uh-huh. she handles me very well i i i was gonna say zach i sometimes i call my work wife because he's so good at it as well like at knowing what i'm really saying when i sometimes come off really strong so 
Um, so I don't know if I, I'm really a great example of how to, how to do it without hurting feelings. So I think if I don't have the right people around me, I will just hurt feelings. Yeah. But I do often seek for, you know, the disarray. I like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like it when things, when everyone's agreeing, I'm like, ah, what are we not seeing? You know, what are we not thinking? Yeah. About? That's a, that's a cool way to look at it. Zach, Zach, tell me all the things that you hate about what Tom just said. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree and commit right here. That's what we yeah. do. <laughs> I think as I thought about this question, I think the thing that sticks out the most to me is it just takes time to recognize people's cadences and people's personalities. Because, for example, Tom and I can be very frank with each other and we can disagree really hard on a lot of things, but we've worked together long enough that I think we both recognize it isn't so much an exercise of trying to win the other one over. Um, And we give each other enough space to be like, I know that's what Tom said, but I don't know if that's what he meant. And so I'm going to like push on that to figure out what he's actually trying to say. Um, And why I say that is Tom and I have been working together for two and a half years now. In that span, we've had what Tom, three or four different UX designers that Mm. we've worked with. Four. Yeah. We jump around. We, we, yeah, we jump around a lot. Yeah. And we, I would say all four have different styles Hmm. of how they communicate and how they like to express themselves and also how they try to resolve resolutions. Cause some will be like, yeah, that's cool. I'm still going to do it a different way. Others (laughs) will be kind of more submissive and and feel like, okay, well, I, I guess those two are saying that we should do it this way. So we should do it that way. And I think that's important to, recognize because like tom said just because someone agrees doesn't mean that they're really on board mm. and so that idea of disagree and commit like no we want to make sure we're not just steamrolling you here but that we're on the same page and so i would say part of the key i see is you got to understand who you're working with and their communication styles and some people it, the confrontational style that tom and i kind of have won't work for everybody. Yeah. And so Tom and I've had to adjust that, that at times with people, uh, just recognizing to make this productive, we got to go forward. But I would say another important thing that Jordan, Tom and I at times do have, we get in a state where we're not seeing eye to eye. And at that time, I think it's important to try to be as objective as possible to step back and say, mm. what is it that we're actually trying to accomplish or what data points do we have to show us what direction we should be going to try to remove as much bias as we can from that. And that's helped a lot. I know that we've gotten stuck and we said, okay, for this specific thing, it might seem small, but we really are targeting a specific type of user or a specific type of customer. And this is exactly what they need. So even though we have different feelings of what should happen, it comes down to, but are, are our feelings actually achieving what the objective here is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll add one, one thing to that, that you kind of started to say is it's, it's not about being right. And I think we both know that 
well, I say both, really all three of us. When, when somebody's pushing on something, it's not about being right. In fact, often there's been a few times where I'll, I'll push on something and Jordan will be like, oh, okay, I agree. And I'm like, well, no, don't agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just because I want to shut you up. Right, more. yeah. No, it's, <laughs> that, but it's not about being right. So, so I think like you have to like, you just have to have that trust in each other, right? Yeah. Fact, I just read a book. It's a popular book, um, Radical Candor. Can we do that plug? Oh. I don't know if that's a problem. Rad can. Yeah, Rad oh, can. Yeah, yes. we, do, we do plugs all the time. <laughs> we plug all the time. We yeah, got like so an, much money coming in from all these plugs. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, so, so yeah, like in that book where it talks about, it's about getting to know the people first and developing that relationship of trust. And once you have that, then you can be more candid, right? And without... Like, I'm not worried about hurting Zach's feelings because I don't see what he's saying or I don't think he sees what I'm saying. So we can keep going around and around until we get there. So, again, because he knows that I'm not just trying to be right. It's not about being right. It's just about yeah. making sure we're exploring the angles. It, it's really interesting. Something, something. I mean, that I thought of what both of you were talking was just about, um, I don't know, the need for just to be like empirical, to be scientific, to look at things as an experiment. Um the way that I've kind of learned, I worked with somebody really similar where uh, the place that I worked before I worked with this guy, um, there was no data, there was nothing scientific. It was just a bunch of swirling opinions. And I picked up this bad habit that I told Jordan where whenever somebody said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we tried this? My auto response was like, oh yeah, for sure. Like I'll look into that. Um, but I started saying it so often that somebody called me out on it one time. They're like, oh, that's what he says when he doesn't like the idea and he's never going to do anything. Like he's not going to look into it at all. Um, but it never mattered because nobody like everyone had their opinions, but there was no outcome that anyone was measuring to say, oh man, like actually we, we learned um, again, not that someone was right. It's like, it's like you're watching a, a horse race. Like you're not actually betting you're not actually like betting on a horse. You're just like watching them run just to like learn more about racing or something like that, which sounds odd. Um, but if you're, if you're like, if you take the betting out of it and you're so, somebody has to be measuring and like actually watching the horses and uh, being empirical about it. I don't know. Zach, help me out here. I'm in the deep end here with <laughs> analytics and stuff already. Yeah, I, I agree with, I think with what you're trying to say is <laughs> there is there's like the visionary side of things and there's a the pragmatic side of things. And you're not always going to be on one side or the other, but there does come a point where you have to decide how much visionary do we want to be in this versus there is just a problem to solve. And yes, pie in the sky, we'd love to do. X, Y, and Z, but we've got time for X. Um, Right. But I think uh, something that you said, Logan, that that stirred this up in my mind is this idea to just be as clear in your communication as possible, almost being at the point of being too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, over communicating almost um, too prescriptive and that's Is that what you're trying to take that's over? what i found well not necessarily prescriptive jordan but the idea of i think we wave our hands over so much and i say when i say we just companies in general people in general it's like okay we're going to do this 
and like, okay, it'll get done. We're at A, we're trying to get to F. And no one has really considered B, C, D, and E. And when you don't get into those weeds, I know I've done this a lot to Jordan and it's, it's my bad. Of I've tried to express a problem like this, is what we're trying to solve, but I don't give enough of the context so that when we come back to meet, she's got one idea and I've had another and I recognize we are way off and it has nothing to do with her design ability or her ability to brainstorm. It's just, I kind of waved over a lot when I realized I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, and so in that right. case, even expressing to someone like, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if sometimes I found, even if I don't agree with it, it's like, okay, so what are they actually trying to say? Yeah. And you realize, oh, dang, they were expressing some little aspect here, but they didn't necessarily communicate it well enough. So it became this gigantic of, I'm never going to do that. When in reality, <laughs> that's not what they're trying to do. Yeah. I've been trying. It's. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Zach, because as far as communication goes, I've learned. I mean, it happened to me today. Today, I was onboarding an intern and I gave her like a design system task, like a research task, um, just about the information architecture of our design system. Um, she took, took a bunch of notes on like, uh, you know, sort of like the vision principles, outcomes, whatever, like what we're trying to accomplish problems to be solved. Um, and then I was sharing my screen and I opened up like Trello or whatever to type in the same thing. And she was immediately like, Oh, that's not, that's not what I thought you meant at all. <laughs> so we had to like then compare notes within the span of five minutes. Man, I, I thought that I'd nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> not so. Yeah. So honestly, this is what it is. It is when Jim on the office <laughs> is talking to Charles and Charles says, Hey Jim, I need a rundown. <laughs> Jim has no idea what the rundown is, but for yep. whatever reason, he's scared to ask about it. Yeah, been there. And then he wastes the whole day. <laughs> and I've been there too, because especially when it's someone you're reporting to, you're like, I don't want to look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously I should know this, but I've never come away from a situation where I've, where I've said, Hey, I need more clarity or I don't actually understand that. Mm -hmm. uh, my, who I report to Cody often calls it a getting religion. <laughs> he says, when you either don't believe in something or don't understand it, there's just this like phrase of like, Hey, I just need to get religion on this. And the person on the other end recognizes, okay, for whatever reason, whether they're not experiencing this or they're not seeing the vision I'm trying to portray, I need to do a better job of communicating it so we can at least be on the same page for the next step. Yeah. There's a, there's a quote uh, that goes that clarity trumps accuracy. And I, I don't know who said it. In fact, Nobody knows who said it, so I'm going to claim it. I said it. But, Great. Mm -hmm. but, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it goes with what you're, what you're saying, Zach, about the overcommunication. Um, sometimes, by the way, I think I'm the most guilty on our team of doing this, where I get too into the weed of the details of the accuracy, like making sure it's It's like, hard. It's hard when you're so much smarter, Tom, when you're so much smarter than everyone else. What do you That's do? Logan. Not, Logan, Logan is, Logan, he sits on top of the mountain. <laughs> Well, when you could put a face mask of Tom right now. And it would be like <laughs> Sorry, Tom, I cut you off. Couldn't no, no, that was, you nailed it. 
It was hard when you're just so much smarter. <laughs> but you know, yeah, like it's um, it's easy to get caught up in the details, and or, well, I shouldn't say the details, but in uh, what's the better way to say it? In trying to be too accurate and give as mm-hmm. much like you know that you become unclear, right? So mm-hmm. you, you need to focus on remaining succinct. I think. And by the way, again, Zach, you are amazing at this. Jordan, I think you are also amazing at this. I am. You guys carry me on this one for sure. Well, it's definitely a learned. It's a learned skill for sure. It's hard. But what would we do if we were all succinct? Like we need you, Tom, to like <laughs> go through all the weeds and stuff, or else Zach and I would true. be like, "Yep, okay, we're done," and it'd be like, "No, wait, we need to think That's about all point. this stuff." But I'll, I'll, I actually I'll take the bone you're throwing me. Thanks, Jordan. Yes, yes. <laughs> I actually want to hit on one topic that you guys mentioned a little bit earlier, which was like staying in your lane. I feel Mm. like you guys have a very good understanding of what each other does and what I do. And I hope to like, as we continue to work together and work longer or whatever, I hope to have a better understanding of like what engineers do and what PMs do. And I think that that's something that's really admirable and that helps us with uh, collaboration is just having an understanding of what our specific roles are and being able to lend our expertise when necessary right like you guys know how to talk design like we had a meeting today Zach and I did where he was like hey I think this would be a good design thing I just wanted to run it by you and I was like yeah that's freaking great Tom does that too like I just think that it's good when you have an understanding of each other's roles and then also have the openness to like fill in where you can right yes like like we need to recognize Jordan at the end of the day you're the authority on all things design but I agree with you I think it's good that we you say stay in your lane. I say it's actually different. Like, I think we're willing to swerve into your lane, right? And yeah. ride in that yeah. lane with you. Yes. But you're right, yeah, though. At the end worried. of the day, it's important that you own that, right? So you are the, you know, the authority. Of yeah, Jordan and I've right? talked about this before. It's like 51-49, right? Like, if in the end, there actually needs to be some kind of deciding vote. Um, everyone gives those opinions, and there's so many, like, blurred lines and overlap, and the Venn diagram is, like, really intense. Uh, but in the end, yeah, like 51% of that vote maybe is like Jordan's on design stuff and she can, um, yeah. commit, commit to something or make the decision. And I think a lot of that starts at the very beginning, um, where everyone gets on the same page of the direction we're going. It makes it a lot easier then to say, okay, now let's DV out who's doing what and going forward instead of honestly, we had this problem recently where something was handed down and we had aligned, allotted enough time to do it, but because of other priorities, the time to do this project got condensed. And so it literally felt like we were trying to design the car as we're driving it. And in that case, it just becomes a jumbled mess because everyone's trying to do something so fast that it's like we're stepping on each other's toes and the next day it's like, why are we doing it this way? Where when we have enough time to really sit down, think out a solution and get on the same page, then it's, we've had that time to collaborate. We feel like we're on all going the same direction, break up, Let's do our own things and come back together. Uh, and I think it's that in that beginning, again, it's not having the hubris to say, I have to be the one that comes up with this because I need to be able to tell the VP or the CPO, yep, this was my idea versus 
we came up with it. It doesn't really matter who came up with it. We just feel like this is the best solution. Yeah. We really yes, present ourselves as a, as a team, not necessarily as an individual. And it's yeah, like you, you started out talking about how you don't think we're the best representation of the trios at Domo. And I, I don't know if that's true or not either, but it does, we have gotten accolades, you know, from our superiors about how well we work together. So go ahead. What I meant by that is I don't know if everyone works like we do. Right. Meaning, right. But I am saying our example. way of doing it is the best. Oh. I am being prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying yeah, like, there's the Tom yeah. I know and love. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, J- Jordan, um, I don't know how much experience you've had um, outside of Domo as far as being like embedded in a, in a pod or a trio like this. Um, how, how does it compare? I can tell you guys my horror stories. Um, oh my yeah, goodness. Jordan, We're just going to, it's going to be therapy session again for Logan. Yeah. Just kidding. As usual. <laughs> no, I've worked on like smaller teams usually where it's not um, like divvied out into trios. It's kind of just like a whole collective and it's been pretty collaborative, but most places I've been, it's very much like I'm the PM. I'm going to do this. You're the designer. It's like a conveyor belt rather than something that's like, more open it's very very like top to bottom and you can't kind of fluctuate and go in different places so I would say that this is better than those places just because I don't know I feel like I can actually like talk if I have an issue with something rather than be like okay and here it is to the developers that I never talk to right like we have more of those like communications and I think that like Domo has a good structure where if you feel like you're not receiving like that good collaboration if you're not like jiving well with your pm or your dev you can try a new team you can go other places but Mm -hmm. which is really helpful to find people who you kind of can collaborate with and i feel like we've just kind Mm -hmm. of lucked out and just gotten along but i know people sometimes do like personality tests or whatever but i don't know i think it really comes down to being self-aware and then also aware of like your co-workers and i feel like zach and tom are very good at that so that's great. Um, and I would add to that, Jordan, I think for anyone listening here, you've got to understand too the dynamics of your company yeah. mm-hmm. and your processes. Yep. Because what we what works for Jordan, Tom, and I at Domo might not work at another company with the way that their release schedule is and the way yeah. that they see how products should be made and, and what they're trying to do. Yeah. And so there is that element of, does this fit your company culture? But I would say for us, it, it does fit. And when I first started Domo, uh, so I've been through with a lot of UX, um, a lot of UX designers, and I've worked with a few different engineering managers. And I would say Jordan, Tom and I's fit is different than some of those other ones I've had. Mm -hmm. Not to say it's better or worse, but it's again, better. recognizing the personalities <laughs> you're working with mm-hmm. and, and what suits them. Um, I've worked with some engineers that are like, I want to have a say and I want to see what we're doing. I've had others that say, just tell me what to do. I don't want to be thinking about that. Sort of plug and in. so you've got to recognize that as well yep. as, as you collaborate, yep. in my opinion. Yep. Yeah. Um, Totally agree across the board. And you're, you're hinting, it's a nice segue to, uh, I mean, we talked a lot about collaboration, communication. Um, 
those other two words that I wanted to hint on uh, were like constraint and compromise. Uh, and we've kind of danced around it a little bit. But when I first landed in software, I was transitioning from marketing design um, into product and UX. I uh, had done a ton of like web design and like conversion rate optimization. So I was kind of dipping into more like flow, like workflow based design that was a little more measurable and way cooler than making like graphics for company parties and crap like that. Um, so I got super excited and they put me on like a checkout flow at uh, the company I was working on. And I did the checkout flow and I thought, well, this is really cool. Like there's actually like tasks being completed. And that's where I started transitioning into UX. Um, the marketing guy was like, Hey, no one else is doing this. Let's just do this. Let's basically design a custom like portal with a bunch of dashboarding and account management or like account center type stuff, a billing center, uh, subscriptions, like all these cool things that you could do inside of your account for this hosting company. And uh, this was, again, my first experience with product and UX. Um, and it's he and I doing this on an island in like a cool war room, which is what we called it because <laughs> we wanted to feel like we were playing Steve Jobs. Um, <laughs> Is that like where the mobile team sits probably in the dark? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. I remember that room. Yeah. Um, it was uh, really fun and we designed for like a month or two. And then I remember the big day where we had all of our like red lines, you know, this is like five or six years ago. We had like our specs and bundles of JPEGs and mockups and envision uh, links. And we called a meeting with the engineers Um. And Tom, I mean, you can probably guess how that went, but yeah. I pretty much got I, I pretty much got laughed out of the room. Um, this was not a joke either. One of the guys who was one of the guys who was slightly more kind, he said, "Hey, buddy, um, this is really cool. Like, no one's not saying this isn't cool." Uh, Did he pinch sorry. your cheek and say, "Good job, yeah. son"? <laughs> it really welcome. felt like that. It really oh, felt like man. that. He, and not kidding, he said this would take our team. Six years to build. Yeah. Uh, he says, oh, cute. Yeah. This is cute. This is fun. He's, now yeah. let's design it for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, I definitely, yeah, that's, I've been in those situations for sure. Um, by the way, Jordan, I will say, I think you're actually really good at those uh, oh, as thanks. a designer. I, I um, just give up. That's just what I do. <laughs> just kidding. We were, we were in a meeting, Jordan and I, and one of our developers the other day, and I was knee deep in an email that I had to get out. So I was honestly not in the meeting. I was not paying attention. So I was really quiet. And at the very end of it, Jordan was like, how's that look? And I just sort of said, looks great. And she like, <laughs> she was so worried because she's like, I was like, I, you're she, not talking? She was, what? Yeah, you're not you're not saying anything. You're not pushing back on anything. Like, did you just give up? I don't understand. But I thought it was funny because I'm like, honestly, I'm just not even paying attention because I'm I had this other priority and I felt bad about it, but it was funny because you, right. you were like, you're not arguing. And so it must, yeah. must that's what I know. I can do whatever I want. I you thought, you thought apathy it. had taken over. Yeah. I but, was yeah. like, Whoa, <laughs> something happened. <laughs> I was very but, nervous. Uh, sorry, but I digress. Uh, I definitely feel for you in that situation though, Logan. Um, well, I feel like traditionally though, I feel like designers are, just woefully undereducated when it comes to like you're I, I worked at a boot camp like I ran uh I ran like a design education like program for a couple of years and I couldn't believe 
I went to every program. I went to every instructor. I talked to like everyone in Salt Lake and Utah County and beyond like New York, LA, Seattle, Denver. Um, and everyone was kind of saying the same thing. Like, why are all these design students, why are they starting anything from scratch? Like, why, why are they going in and saying, well, I'm going to design this like mobile app where I track food trucks and I guess I'll start with the login screen. Um, <laughs> It's nonsense. It's nonsense. And it's it's a complete disservice and it doesn't prepare them for showing up to Domo where the product, product has existed since, what, 2013, yeah. 2012? Um, Spiff, like Spiff's existed since 2017, 2018, uh, especially as an associate level designer or engineer even. Like you're not going to hop in and say, well, I guess I'll create a code base or, hey, I'll start a Figma file and start designing the product. Um <laughs> Everything is like incredibly constrained and everything's about compromise, learning yeah. what hill is worth dying on. And unfortunately, all these designers come out wielding like I call it the sword of empathy. And unfortunately, like they're trying to cut you down and like murder you for not caring enough about the user. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm, di who, I'm digressing now. But what I guess what, what have your experiences been like in just learning or watching people stumble through and learn constraint and like compromise, things like that. Can I say something? Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. you then, then, that okay? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm sure. just making sure. Cause I know Tom has something to say too. And Zach probably does as well. But... Zach just did this huge exhale. I'm like worried about <laughs> Zach. Zach's like, oh my gosh, these two fight all the time. Uh... No, I feel like as a designer, my job is to like solve the problem or design out the solution, whatever, but then also come up with like a, this is a best case scenario. And I maybe don't do this a lot. So you guys like can keep me in check, but it's like, I don't know. This is what is nice to have. This is where the end goal should be, but I'm recognizing the time constraints. I'm recognizing that we maybe don't have a ton of hands on this project. And so this is what we can get done in the right amount of time, but let's come back. And this is what we'll come back to. Right. And then I feel like then it's up to like Zach and Tom to kind of factor that in to the sprint uh, schedule and whatnot. Right. And sometimes they do die, which is a little sad, but it's okay. You know, can't win all the battles, but I think it's good to just like design for like the specific solution and not go too big, but then also do like that kind of bigger picture type thing. For sure. I love that. For sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I'm really weary of the idea of development dictating design, right? Because at the end of the day, there are, situations where developers can get themselves into or just because they don't know how to build it means they won't build it. And so they think they can't build it. Mm -hmm. um, but oftentimes that shouldn't be the case. So, so even though I am aware of that it is a give and take because you're right, some things take a lot longer to build and nobody should be designing login screens anymore. Right. Those have been designed. <laughs> Those are done. Right? Yeah. So like, <laughs> like we don't need to do that one anymore, but, but having, having said that Jordan, it is give and take it. So I, I don't, like the idea of development constraints dictating good and, and getting in the way of good design. Mm. But yeah, mm -hmm. you can't, I mean, there's limits to that, right? Cause you can't really cool design is going to take a year and a half for us to build it with our limited team, you know, then it's six years. Sorry. No, it's actually six years. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was being optimistic. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? But that's like, okay, that's yeah, the push and pull, yeah. right? Yep. So yeah. Which so, is, and again, and again, I, yeah, I have to get Zach in here, right? Because I was, I was writing this on the whiteboard today, and it was what des design is like uh, desirability, um, engineering as like feasibility, 
And again, the lines are all blurred and then product as viability. Um, so the interesting thing that just happened is Jordan saying, um, I want to come engineering's way and Tom saying, well, I don't want us to not like have a vision and push the engineering team to do hard things. Um, in my experience, I would hope that Zach would be like, Hey, here's what's actually worth our time and when, um, as the product person that can actually like attach dollars to these conversations. Yeah. I don't know. Zach, what do you think? Uh, here's my lawyerness again coming out. Oh, yeah. There's never like a straight answer, Logan. It's always, it depends. Objection. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I think it really matters. Maybe this is the way I sum it up. One of the keys I see, which we've hinted at a lot here, is you need to be able to differentiate your inner voice from what is really reality. And so the inner voice can be, no, this is really cool, or this is what's going to blow customers away, or this is what's going to take us to the next level. I'm not saying your intuition isn't right. It can be. But taking a step back and saying, but what is this situation right now? So maybe you are a startup that is trying to do something revolutionary and you recognize everyone's doing it this way. If we want to differentiate ourselves, we've got to do it another way. Or maybe you are a enterprise that is, is just going and is just trying to grease the wheels and they're looking at, we don't need to revolutionize anything right now. That's not our job. Uh, I think of the example of the space pen which people go back and forth, whether it's apocryphal or not. My understanding is this story isn't, but the, the question of how do we write in space? And so spending a million dollars to create a pen that you can write without gravity, where a pencil can also do that as well. Now, <laughs> looking at that later on, people are using pens because of flammable materials. You don't want graphite, but that's an interesting situation to look at of what do we want to build but the idea is are we trying to build something cool well no we're just trying to be able to write in where there's no gravity all right yeah. so what do we do then and so i think that's one of the keys of trying to understand what is i will use the word pragmatic over compromise mm. i have a weird situation with compromise having listened to never split the difference mm. um the the author in there, Chris Voss, he says, splitting the difference is wearing one black shoe and one brown shoe, so don't compromise. So it's this idea that if taken in the wrong place, compromise doesn't get anyone anything they want. <laughs> um, Interesting. Uh, speaking about Better Call Saul, the mediator actually, <laughs> says, if I do my job right, neither of you are going to be happy. Because in his mind, he's like, that's what compromise is. Right. Neither party is going to be happy. And maybe that is important, but... At the others, I, I think there are times to recognize though, there's something that I want to do, but I recognize after having talked to Tom and having talked with Jordan, it just doesn't make sense. Mm. And so as I've come around and we've talked about it, it's not so much that I'm upset and I'm saying, fine, we'll do it. It's more of, no, I see their perspective and this is the better route to go. And so we haven't really compromised. We've just come to an understanding of what we should be doing. I love that. 
I push back on the no compromise thing though, Zach, because Ooh, I, yeah, I think welcome, if <laughs> I take issue arrived. with that author, he's wrong. <laughs> no, yeah. but I'm, I'm saying like compromise does not need to end up in the brown shoe and a black shoe. Like you're, you're a terrible compromiser then you're not communicating well. <laughs> just, just pick really dark brown shoes. Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like you can find a better compromise. I, 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 by the way, I'm also picking up on other arguments I've had with other people about compromise. This is loaded. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's all coming yeah. out. Here we go. But the idea is, I mean, that, that you should never compromise because you both lose. I just think it means you're not creatively compromising. You know, you're not really thinking about the situation and trying to understand because you can find where you meet. It's not about splitting the difference. Maybe that's the difference. So compromise doesn't have to be splitting the difference. It can just be finding mm, where you yeah. actually meet. I think what you mean, Tom, is uh, coming to, a, it's a semantic thing where the idea of we can't agree, so we're just going to come somewhere in the middle where neither of us like, but it, it's closer, is different than you and I realizing maybe this isn't exactly what I want, but I can see where this is beneficial and we can come to an agreement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah semantics. You're probably right. It is semantics. Jordan, why are they both wrong? <laughs> they're always wrong no i don't know i i agree i agree with both i think that it's important to compromise i think you can find a compromise but also at the same time like i do totally see the black and brown shoe idea like that sucks yeah. so it definitely it leads to bad products and yeah. you can feel it like yeah. when you use something yeah i don't know Are you, jordan sorry no no shot. no you're good you're good i don't know if you guys have kids um I tried watching, this is totally like a kind of related tangent, but I tried watching The Good Dinosaur with my daughter. Oh, um, and I cannot describe to you how odd and awkward and clunky that movie is. And I was watching it and like for 10 minutes, it will be one movie and the animation's goofy and the characters even like move kind of like weird and like silly um and then 10 minutes later like there's this horrific death scene where the kids like dad drowns and (laughs) they're like smashing like their bodies are like really violently smashing into stuff and the dad drowns in front of the sun and then it kind of goes back to the tone shifts and it's like a silly movie and there's this like rhinoceros dinosaur kind of like uh triceratops that shows up and he's super like stonery and silly um (laughs) and then there's this group of uh what are the flying ones? Like these weird, like pterodactyl things that are oh, no. murderous. Like it's a kid's movie and they're trying to like kidnap and like eat kids. Um, Seems healthy. By the end of the movie, I literally said to my wife, this has to have been made by four, like five different people <laughs> that couldn't agree. Uh, and it was. So and they just I, split I, the up credits, the movie. <laughs> the credits rolled and it was like okay you know joey gets this 10 minutes uh you know oh, sarah gets no. this 10 minutes chad gets this 15 minutes and of course chad's just like everything's on fire and everyone's dying um it was nuts i can't describe to you how weird that movie is yeah, that yeah i feel like that's been a lot of the marvel series on oh Disney here Plus. we go because <laughs> yeah. you can see when different directors or writers get involved and it's it's to that degree specifically i think miss marvel has felt like that to me Mm. where it's almost an anthology every single episode is so different in its tone Mm -hmm. and the story it's trying to tell i haven't even gone there um i'm not like a super fan i'm a i'm a cautious like i'm cautiously optimistic with like the big movies but i know 
I know certain directors, sort, certain storylines. I'm like, not, can't, can't go there. I I'm, I'm one of the outsider Marvel people that, um, love like 20% of all of it, but I didn't grow up with comic books. Again, I grew up with John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. Um, like I did not, it's not a part of like my fabric. I told you we'd end up on Marvel somehow. So <laughs> I love it. It was, a, great. it was actually pretty tidy. It was like pretty, a pretty tidy good. transition. Pretty good transition. That was natural. It was. That was natural. Doesn't the Mandalorian do, do that too? Isn't each episode directed by someone else? I don't know. The Mandalorian? Them, yeah. yeah. Don't you oh guys, what do I you guys think about I don't care about Star Wars. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I think Whoa. I do that. I know. I try. Like, Whoa. I feel like to be a human being, I have to. So I try. I, try I mean, to be an engineering hard. lead, to be an engineering right. lead, you have to. Yeah, this world you demands gotta, it. So I try. But. This is where you turn your you turn your laptop and you show me like all the paraphernalia, the lightsaber that you custom built at <laughs> Disney World for $6,000. Oh, no. Yeah, but um, see, I... I, I don't I don't I want to care about Star Wars I just can't it's just it, I don't know what it is I just I it's not good it's not good it's, <laughs> it's not, really good. not good except it's for Rogue good. One Rogue One was yeah good. okay that's fair Rogue One was pretty amazing but it's like the only good one it, yeah and I, I <laughs> only thing <laughs> I did grow up with comic books and so um, the idea of like creating a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe was like ingrained in me before it even existed pretty amazing yeah tom you got to tell logan about the podcast you and casey listen to oh my gosh this is the so maybe you've heard of it it's called the worst idea of all time no it's a couple guys from new zealand they're i already love it they're (laughs) logan's looking it up right now humor fan yeah yeah so they're they're comedians from new zealand i and by the way you kind of get the impression they're like low-rate comedians like like local traveling i don't know that's true and if these guys ever hear this they'll probably I think they're really big now because they've gotten like big, big names on their podcast. But they started a podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time, where they they pick a random movie, usually a bad movie, mm-hmm. and they watch it every single week for a year. So they'll watch it fifty two times the same movie, and then no. they do a podcast about no. it. No, so they watch. Po- it I remember hearing about this. <laughs> this is what we were 52 talking about. Times they watch. Yeah, so so they'll watch it every week. So they they release once a week for a year. They watch it and then release and then talk about oh, it. Oh my God. And so, <laughs> so the, the first, the first season they picked grownups too. <laughs> the first grown-ups. and then they, and they watch it and then they just talk about it. And it, honestly, it's one of my favorite podcasts. It, it, the first few episodes take a little, you got to get kind of through after about 10 episodes you they mm-hmm. get kind of depressed about it like mm. <laughs> I'm not funny. I and they're only 20 yeah. minute episodes so that you get through but yeah oh i'm gonna check that out that sounds amazing yeah, it's fun i think a, i think a good question to end on is what movie would you watch 52 times in one year i want to hear oh man well i mean do you is want it, me is it, it like go- out of love or to punish yourselves and have comedic like i'm leaving on? it open i think it should be the second because you don't want if you love it you don't want to ruin it you're gonna hate it (laughs) you will hate it so bad by the end oh man that's that's a tough one to answer on the spot i think um yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking about something i'd watch 52 times it'd be funny to say something like groundhog day 
because it's the same scene over and over. <laughs> no. So you'd be punished. No. It'd be 52 times watching Groundhog Day, which is basically oh. the same four or five scenes for like an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, no, thank you. I don't know if that's my pick, but it would be funny. So how about the how about the good dinosaur? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, it's terrible. That might be the one. Like I I feel so passionately about how awful that kids movie is. Um, that might be my pick. Thank you. <laughs> you, know, you. The thing that's fun about it is you'll you you start to really get into some of the lore behind it all. You know, so mm-hmm. can yeah, I can I pick podcast. one? Can yeah. I pick one for you, Tom? Encanto. I think you should watch Encanto for 52 oh times. Oh, no. Encanto is so awful. Okay, so Don't you love that song, Tom? Here's the thing I don't we understand don't about Encanto. About, I, I don't understand why anybody likes it. Because there's movies I don't like, but I see the appeal. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand the appeal to that movie. Tom, your ringtone, so your ringtone is we don't talk about Bruno. I don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so I mean, if we really want to, like, because I feel this way about the whole movie as a whole, but the, that song alone just is a great <laughs> microcosm of, of what's going on with the movie. I think because if we even just focus on that song, it, it topped Billboard charts <laughs> for like six weeks or something on the for like most played on radio. Anyway, my only point is, is during that song, I remember like leaning on my wife going man, Disney really let it slip on this one, didn't they? Like, this is <laughs> awful. Dude, Lin- Lin-Manuel Miranda has a green light now. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants, and it is just going to its gonna sell. Well, I, and it, my One of my proudest achievements, I have yet to see that movie. Okay, well, go see it and let me know if I'm... I, I'm <laughs> no. the only person in the world who sees reality for what it is. Somehow, everyone else is under the spell. Okay, okay. Enough about Encanto. Jack, what's your movie that you're watching 52 times? What was the criteria again? To punish ourselves or one that you could actually get through? We, I think we times? landed on it's got to punish you a bit. I left it open. But I, they well, want to I'll add this you. to it. I think it should be a, a movie that you feel like you could get through 52 times knowing at the <laughs> end of it you'll never want to watch it again. So be careful on that. Yeah, and also you have to podcast about it. So pick something that will give you content, like you know, material. It's a tough call on the spot. It is tough. My mind is racing right now. Um, I could probably watch Rudy fifty-two times. Oh, that would be a good one. There'd be a lot because it's such yeah. a like. Uh, there's so much like lore. It's a legendary. Yeah. I think there'd be a lot of content coming from that. That's a good choice. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I you'll never want to see it again. That seems like a pretty good movie that just threw down the drain. I mean, you threw it down. The, you watched it 52 times. I mean, you've you've done yeah. you've done it. What else is there to see? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, th- I well, I think it's just like you'll hate it. I can't imagine there's yeah. any show you can watch 52 times. No, and still like it's, it. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna go Nicolas Cage and say like, not even like Con Air or The Rock. I was gonna say like <laughs> National Treasure. Uh, that's or bad. Like that. <laughs> National the Treasure. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, that okay. That's perfect. That's that, a perfect. Yes, movie. it would be a Nicolas Cage movie, like one where he plays some like warlock or wizard or something <laughs> awful. Okay. Okay. Oh man. What? Okay. Yeah, Jordan, you better cut us off. You better cut us off. Oh, we haven't even said our movies though, Logan. 
Oh, I kind of went with Groundhog Day, but I'm going to go with, I don't know. Jordan, you say yours. Oh, I just had it. What was it? Uh-oh. Mm, oh, I think like maybe The Martian because I've only seen it like once. And it's the one with like Matt Damon, right? I've only seen it once. Okay, it doesn't yeah. bug me too bad. It's fine. Interesting. I was going to say something like You'd Moonrise watch... Kingdom, but I think I okay. would want to claw my eyes out by the end because it's just... You would. Yeah. You would definitely. Yeah. Any... Yeah. Oh, and I was going to say like any, Isle yeah. of Dogs, any Wes Anderson I like, but... Any Wes Anderson, in, it'd be too, you're going to want those in small doses. Yes, they're too rich. Too much. It's like eating cheesecake for every meal, which I mean I do, but... Yeah. But 52 times you're going to watch Matt Damon farming in space by himself. Yeah. For like three yeah, hours. Yeah, because then I'm going to analyze what he does, and then when we get there, I'm going to do better. I think a movie I could actually watch 52 times in a year and still be okay watching it later is Back to the Future. Mm. I bet I've seen it Good 52 call. times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. That's a great movie. Yeah. I think these these are great answers. This was a great discussion. Thank you, guys. Sorry, it was very long. I apologize. No, it's been fun. I appreciate you having us on. Yeah, it's been yeah, great. Yeah, this was awesome. Um, con- the conversation was great. I, yeah, I mean, Jordan said it. Thank you guys so much for your time. We appreciate this. Uh, I don't know. I learned a ton talking to you. Um, this is something that is super important to Jordan and I as designers who don't know what we're doing. To- <laughs> Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, mostly designers who don't know what they're doing, but designers that kind of are trying to pride themselves on um, being like not necessarily the best designer in the world, but trying to be like the best designer to work with in the world. Um, I would take that all day, every day over like, oh, look at all the variants I created in Figma yesterday. Um, (laughs) Cool stuff, but not the stuff that like keeps you gelling with a team and makes like truly awesome products and things like that. So that was like the spirit of what we wanted to get at and talking to you guys about it was super cool. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Okay. Uh, wrapping it up. Yeah. I'm going to go watch better call Saul for sure. It is time. (laughs) Okay. Tom too. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Jordan, we'll wrap it up the way we normally wrap it up. What's the dessert of choice tonight? Cold stone again. It's in my freezer. Like you have it just waiting or you go, I got it before we started recording. So, (laughs) (laughs) it's just in my freezer yeah fantastic okay we'll call it there guys thank you thank you thank you this was the coolest um appreciate it we'll stay in touch hopefully have you guys back on again and we'll uh we'll follow up maybe we'll do just just a better call Saul follow-up episode where we've all finished (laughs) the end of season six yeah oh my gosh i love that okay yeah thanks for having me. all right take care guys great to meet you see ya see ya